Coming up on today's episode, we recap the end of the Jets preseason, including the awful injury to Billy Hanela, plus a look ahead to roster cuts next week. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, coming at you guys a little bit later on a Friday, but we'll head into the weekend in style here, breaking down the end of the Jets preseason. It's over, which means the games are finally going to matter for real. I uh, do apologize that I... Sound like a bag of human death because I feel pretty accurate to that right now. So, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll push through. Might might hear a little more Tyson today than me, but we'll 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 battle through here anyway. Um, but lots to get into. Uh, most of it not good, and most of it centered around just awful, awful luck uh, to a kid that was finally finally figuring it out and looked to be set for a big big role with the club. Um, so we'll talk about that and a few other happenings around the team and the league for the episode today. Uh, but doing so with me once again, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki. Tyson, how's it going today? Doing good. Doing good. Not, nice. too, not, not too great, though. The last night was a bit of a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's not really... There's no other way to put it. It just it, it sucked the life out of the arena. I mean, you were there. I mean, I, I imagine that's exactly what it felt like. Everybody watching at home, everybody on social media. It was just <laughs> like one of the worst things that could have happened for the club. Just because there was so much positive momentum around Villy. And the story was great. It seemed like the players were on his side, buying in, excited for him to get his chance. And it's just a freak injury. Like right, like barely any contact, just kind of bumps into somebody in the corner. Skate gets caught in the ice, and he falls awkwardly. And uh, like Rick Bonus said, it's we don't totally know yet, but it's not a short-term injury, which pretty much ices his chances of you know making the big club and for sure starting opening night for the Winnipeg Jets, which looked like he was primed to do. I mean, just the the poor kid just can't catch a break, just can't catch one. Yeah, and and part of that, what makes it frustrating too, is that he was being it was, part of what how he got hurt was stuff that he needed to work on and be more consistent at, and that was he was going in for a puck battle, like he wasn't shying away from contact. He was going in, and yeah, like it was just, I it, I don't we're not gonna speculate on anything, but it did not look good, and even from up top, we could you could hear like a like a grunt or. I don't want to say scream necessarily, but like you could hear he, like an audible noise, right? Yeah, it was. And you, I mean, you could tell on his face too, right? Like it wasn't, he didn't try and get up right away. It was, he knew it wasn't great. And it sucks too, because like you mentioned, he was going to be top six more than likely. He was going to be in that starting lineup. And now, well, let, let me ask, let me ask you that, Tyson, because I, I brought that up uh, on Winnipeg Sports Talk and Hustler kind of bristled at me, but. I'm just assume an alternate universe gets through the game, plays pretty good, nothing too crazy. W- was he going to start opening night on the third pair? I think it was almost 
uh, in my opinion, I think it was almost guaranteed. What is Nate Schmidt hasn't played yet? Like, yeah, they're, they're not, if they're if Nate Schmidt was going to be on the third pair to start game one, they would have given him a game. They wouldn't just throw him in game one of the regular seasons, his first game. It doesn't make sense, especially when Hainala has had such a good training camp. This, like, it, to me, it was almost a no brainer. Like, really. Yeah. And that, that, that's without knowing if they would have put Schmidt on IR or something like yeah, that. Right. Like, totally. I, I, I just flat out think. With the way he played, he was one of the Jets' six best defensemen. I, I in my opinion, I, I think he was the best player in training camp. I think he was the best player in the preseason overall, not just defensemen. Yeah, he stood. Yeah, stood out the most at the very least. Um, so I like. I don't know. To me, it was like he earned a spot. Yeah. Like you can, I mean, Nate Schmidt's status certainly would have played a role in that. But to me, is he one of your six best? Okay, well then. What are we? What are we doing? Get him in there, and it, I thought you know when the team was essentially icing their game one roster. If it's Hanela in there beside Dylan, then I think that was the plan there. Um, so it's again just insanely, insanely unfortunate that that's how his training camp comes to an end. And I think best case scenario now, Tice, is that you hope he's able to play some games anywhere this year. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. Maybe the Jets and, and Vili Hainala can catch a bit of a break with a further reassessment, and we'll find that out over the course of the weekend there. But just awful, awful news. The result of the game didn't matter whatsoever, but having that happen after the camp that he had, it's unfortunately a pretty big blow heading into the regular season, which starts about five days from now. Um, I guess the reverberations from that, Tyson, are... What do they do now with the blue line? Because assuming Hanela is out some amount long term, I mean, the team can put him on IR or whatever it is. The logjam's still there. We didn't see Stanley or Chisholm get into that last game. What, what happens now? What does the team do? And I mean, Kappa Bianco throw him in there as well, but. Like they still need to trim their roster down, and all these guys still need waivers. So what happens? I see with that with the Hanel injury. I think that there's a more likely chance that Schmidt is on that third D pair to start the roster, just because there's more of a need. With if Billy was good to go, you, you're less likely to rush Schmidt because you're like, okay, well we can give him his audition, and then if it doesn't work out, then we can just plop Schmidt back in. If if he's good to go, I think he's on that third D pair. If he's not, I still think Declan Chisholm's getting sent down. I, I even with this injury, I think they I think they're the Jets are big fans of Capo Bianco, and he's and he's been good for them. But he's led dime a dozen defensemen too. It's just that they know what they're going to get with him, and I think there's a higher likelihood that if you're keeping Brendan Dillon as your third. Deep, as, as your third defenseman too on the third deep pair, then Capel Bianco makes more sense than throwing Stanley out there with the two of them on that pair because it's just kind of a lack of a puck mover. It's you could get into trouble there when in the offensive zone. But yeah, like, I think Capel Bianco's there if Schmidt can't go, and I think we're still going to see another Kovacevic situation where Chisholm's on the on waivers heading to the beginning of the regular season, and I don't know if a team's going to claim him or not. I th- I if, I think they will, but. Who knows? I mean, 
would he not have higher pedigree or value than Kovacevic did last year? I think so. He's not a, not a righty, though. He's not a righty. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's enough. It is an insane gamble. It, it's it's reckless, and I think they're going to do it too. I like I completely disagree with it, but I mean, read the tea leaves here, right, Tice? I yeah. mean, what were the what were the D pairings at the final couple of practices for the team? Like Logan Stanley, if you looked at those D pairings, was ahead of him on the pecking order. Chisholm was kind of skating with like the extras and and some of the injured guys. This this organization cannot quit Logan Stanley. They cannot quit him. There's this, and I get he was a first round pick and all that, but like it was a damn long time ago. Yep. And it's just wild to me that they're not even interested in potentially seeing what some of the upside of a chisel might be after the season that he had in the AHL there. Um, and it's it's wild to me as well, Tice, that even with the Hanela being injured, that that doesn't even preclude Chisholm from from being sent down on waivers. I. I'm I'm on board with your line of thinking. It's just going to be: does he get claimed, or do the Jets get lucky and, and slip him through? I, I it's hard to get a sense because you never know with waivers. But maybe you do it at the same time as everybody else is doing it. Every team kind of has a Chisholm Stanley esque play. You know what I mean? Like there, a lot of organizations are like, oh, we got room for our guy. Like we don't have room for not. We'll see what happens there. But I wonder about a team like Chicago. Well, I'm, I want I mean, San Jose. Yeah, San Jose's blue line <laughs> is set up to be historically inept, and I think Chisholm walks into that third pair. Yeah, like he right, like it's look at San Jose's defense core and tell me that they couldn't use somebody like a Chisholm. He probably let, be let like alone that. let alone the other five awful teams that are in the NHL this year. Yeah, he'd, probably, he'd be the Sharks' best offensive defenseman right off the bat. They, the, <laughs> It's a, it's an indictment that just goes to show you that yeah Chisholm I think Chisholm is good but man if you're you're getting plucked off waivers and you're the best offensive defenseman on the team yeah. you've got some deeper issues yeah so I'll if, if they put him on waivers Tice I'm going to be surprised if he passes through and that's just inexcusable it's just horrendous <laughs> asset management. And making the same mistake for the second year in a row. It's like, look, is it going to be the difference between them winning a cup this year or missing the? Pl- no, it's not. It's not this. You know, putting like a Dylan Sandberg on waiver situation. You know what I mean? But it's it just speaks to some major major inefficiencies in terms of how the franchise operates and the lack of of purpose and aggressiveness that they could have shown to open up spots on this blue line going back to a season or two ago. And it's especially upsetting when you see a team like the New Jersey Devils, Tyson, who I think we could both agree cup contenders this year. Yes. They moved on from two players that are better than most of the Jets decor in Damon Severson and Ryan Graves to open up spots in their top four for their young guys that are also younger than the Jets' young guys. Like, you can't tell me that, oh, we can't turn things over to the youth, we want to win, da-da-da. I get that the Devils' guys are way higher pedigree, don't get me wrong there, but they're entrusting them with bigger roles on a team that wants to win tomorrow. 
and those Devils D-men are way better than it. Besides Morrissey, they're way better than any D-men that the Jets have. Like, exactly. sorry. But, like, Severson's a... Whatever. We, I'm not going to go too deep into that. But that's just... The, the whole point of this is that when you're a team that struggles to attract players to come play for you, and then you have the, your young guys who are supposed to... You're supposed to be... That's your emphasis, is these young guys. And they're getting... Not getting opportunities, not getting opportunities. It's frustrating for the for those guys, and you don't think that trickles down through the whole organization. Like you don't think some of those younger guys that are buddies with those guys are saying, like, "Hey, well, if, well, if he's not getting a shot and he's putting up better numbers than I am, then what am I going to do? Like, what do I have to do to make this team?" And now, like, it's just you can't. Smart teams don't just waste assets like that. You can't just have that's probably the main thing, right? Like it's just whether or not they're going to change the team or anything like that. Like you just can lose these guys. It's, it's not draft, develop, lose on waivers. That's, that's not the, the system that we should be running in Winnipeg. It should be draft, develop, get them in the big club, let them see what they can do. Now, I guess the flip side is they are putting Cole Perfetti down the middle at, at two C to start the year. So like, it's not like they're completely against the concept of giving the young guys the keys to a, a primetime position, right? It's just that there's these blind spots further down the roster where if you can get similar play from a youngster and a vet, in Winnipeg, it's got to be tie goes to the youngster. Like, you, yeah. you've got to operate differently. And I've made this point before. And I, I was talking to someone yesterday. They made an excellent point. Like, the Tampa Bay Rays kind of in a similar position to the Jets in, in Major League Baseball. Small market team. I mean, they can't get fans. The, the Jets get more fans at their games than Tampa Bay does at theirs. But they know that they have to operate differently because they can't spend to the quote-unquote cap in Major League Baseball. And I look at teams in the Premier League, Tyson, that sit back and go, you know what? We're not a Manchester. We're not a Chelsea. We're not a Liverpool. We're not an Arsenal. We got to operate a little bit differently to have some level of success. And they accept their realities and they build on that. And I, I just think that's been a blind spot on this team for, I, I'd say, going back to 2015, 2016. Yeah. And even like, if you, even if you don't see value in those guys on your team anymore, that you're willing, like, why not just get rid of them for a lottery pick? Like, get, get something. That's all. Like, it's not, you're not asking for a guy to get like top four minutes. Or top two minutes. It's either give him minutes or get something of value for him before he just wastes away. And with Hainala, that's kind of what happened. Like, he didn't get his shot. And, like, this injury you couldn't predict, and it's unfortunate. But didn't get a shot, didn't get a shot, didn't get a shot for three to four years. And now he finally has an opportunity five years down the line. It's kind of just too late. And then if something like this were to happen three years ago, you have more time for him to recover still develop through that injury now you're looking at if it's a if it's a long-term one he's could be in trouble like it's just it's so unfortunate and just it's so easily preventable that's that's the big that's the most annoying thing about it is that it's you are the ones that are controlling it like these these moves are completely within your control and you're just you're playing it in the rearview mirror there's such a lack of foresight with this management group it's out. It's that's the word. Crazy. That's the word I was going to use. Is just a little bit of foresight, and you can get ahead of this. 
and and build a sustainable winner in Winnipeg, even with the issues and roadblocks you have to deal with. Well, and I also just wanted to mention you, you mentioned Colbert Fetty. They're kind of forced to put him in that situation too, right? Fair, like, fair. If because if he's not their number two center, and we can talk about it a little bit because you and I were texting well, during the game. So, so we yeah we we've got a little over five minutes before we we got to run a bit of a quick episode here. Um, but let's let's talk just briefly Perfetti at center. There's a couple things you noticed in that final preseason game. Yeah, well, just to finish my point really quickly, it was if if he's not the number two center, then you're looking at Nemesnikov or Adam Lowry as your number two center, and that's not a cup winning team. So that's just plain and simple. But watching him during set, playing center yesterday, I was really optimistic going into training camp in the preseason. I agree with you now that he should be a winner. He can't. Like he's getting bundled by guys who aren't who aren't big guys. Like there was one play in the first period where Giroux came to the corner and he gave him like a shot, but it wasn't like like it's Claude Giroux in preseason. He's not laying the body like crazy, and he absolutely bundled him into the corner. Like it looked like he crushed him, and he barely touched him. And then even later in the third, there was another along the boards again too. I believe it was Greg yeah. bumped him, and it's just like man. Yeah, guy, he's not built to be a center. Yeah, yeah those, I mean, those two plays are hard to ignore. There, there's no doubt about that. Um, I, you know, to counter that a little bit, I guess, you know, I, I thought he did look. I, I like, I just love the way he he views the game. Like he's very cerebral. He sees the ice incredibly well. He's smart enough to get it done. I, I, I just, I do wonder if there's some physical limitations that are going to hold him back from being a high-end performer for the Jets down the middle. Um, I, I do still ultimately think that he's best suited for the wing. It can be, I, I think he can be a 70, 80-point winger. Totally. It's not like it's a negative that he's struggling. I, I, that's just where I think he's going to be best. I still, I'm still okay with them giving him some runway in the first 10 or 15 games. But if you ask me to bet right now, I even though Velarde's look good up there on the top line, I think, I think he's the guy that's going to be the long-term second line center for this team, not Cole Perfetti. Yeah, it, it very well could be. And then I'm in the same, like, I love Perfetti. He's still good. I just, that game in this preseason, you just really see like the, like you said, the physical limitations and it doesn't get easier. Right. Like it's not, once we get into the regular season, things are going to ramp up. You got the full lineups playing. It's going to be tough for him for a full season. So I wonder what they do. Like, like, do you, like, is this, does this concern you at all? Oh well, I mean, it's it not like it. I don't. I wouldn't say that my concern meter is like shot through the roof because he got roughed around a couple times against Ottawa. But I, like, I, I had my doubts going into the season that that was the best position for him long term. I, I do think that give him at least ten games. Pray to God that Ehlers and that neck it's just so stupid but like just pray to like that he's out there and you can see them and you give him a couple of weeks and then after like just, my thing is just don't don't make it three or four games and if he's not doing good you scrap the whole thing like even though i don't predict that it's going to be a rousing success give him enough runway that if it works out or that if it isn't working out early he can figure things out and and find a way to push through hopefully but I wouldn't say that my concern level is necessarily any higher. It's just that some of my doubts have, have kind of crept up over the course of the, the brief time that he's been out there. 
yeah, concerns probably wasn't the best word, but just watching these last couple of preseason games, I and I know it's preseason, but just the, like they look flat. Like they look like a team that's looking for chemistry right now. Well, they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, totally. But it, it's still like that. The chemistry is no. not, not going to pop up game one. Unlikely. No, I know. I know what you're saying. Like Ottawa looked good last night. Yeah. Like Ottawa. That like I mean, I I might have to alter a prediction or two. Like the scent, they look fast. They looked on it. They look sharp. Jason, I was, I was top five D man in the future. Well, 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 well. Let's, let's so talk cool. about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, look with the, I, I can also kind of understand seeing Hanela go down. Maybe the team just being like, ah, our head's not totally in it, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, we'll find out pretty soon. Those first five games for the Jets, uh, it's a bit of a, bit of a slaughterhouse. So, uh, if, if you thought they were flat, in the final preseason game, let's up the ante a little bit Wednesday night against the Calgary flames. Uh, but that's going to do it for the episode here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll get back at it Tuesday morning with, again, one of our favorite episodes of the year, the regular season prediction bonanza. Who makes the playoffs? Who's out? Where the Jets finish? Awards? All that stuff. We'll get into that and then get ready for that opener against the Calgary Flames on Wednesday. I think we'll also have to do a bit of a shakeup in our schedule and do a show after the Flames game. Uh, so we might go Tuesday thursday morning next week but just stay tuned for that until then though thank you guys for listening again to another episode of skates and plates on the hockey podcast network i'm your host brandon rewicki cjob's tyson rewicki with us once again we'll talk to you guys tuesday morning have a great weekend everybody peace